put me on top. City on lock, they like when he gon' drop. He done shit the game up when he gon' pop. Yeah, they know the name, but is he gon' stop? Back to back, runner, fucking up the whole summer. On the road, I'ma take the whole glow from him. We ain't had enough. Niggas speaking down, but they know who coming up. And I'm still on my way. But the top don't look too far for me. Never caught off not one day. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I would like to welcome you to yet another episode of the Unpopular Podcast. This is the man, the myth, the legend, Jalen Hunter. And if you do me a favor, please subscribe to whoever you're listening. Please subscribe to whoever you're watching. It definitely means a lot to me. There's a reason why. When people look at current situations, when people look at current trends, a lot of people tend to look in the past tend to rely on history to explain current phenomena, current situations. And why is that? And why did I start my episode with that? Because it's happened. It's happened. The Boston Celtics have swept the Brooklyn Nets, the same Brooklyn Nets that were pretty much co-preseason favorites to win the NBA championship. They swept them in the first round. And why did I start my episode with talking about current situations and looking in the past? What Brooklyn tried to do is they, they, we have a history of how to win championships, a history. And what Brooklyn tried to do is bypass all of that history. And I guess to a certain extent, be the first to do something. And what do I mean by that? Because no, they're not the first to accumulate stars. No, they're not the first to bring in maybe a an unproven head coach. No, they're not the first to not meet expectations. I mean, hell, if you want to talk about, we remember what happened with the Lakers when they had Gary Payton uh, in, in, not Gary Payton, the Lakers when they had a, uh, Dwight Howard and and Pal Pal Gasol with Dwight Howard and Kobe, um, and Ron Artest I believe was on that team. Oh no, Steve Nash was on that team too. But what the Brooklyn Nets tried to do is they tried to debunk history, which it can't happen. Don't get me wrong, but it's hard to do. Let's start with how this season matriculated. You have a three-star team, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and James Harden. This is at the start of the season. Because of the vaccine mandates, because of the vaccine in general, because of covid there were there were ramifications and there were mandates that, especially in New York, that you had to get vaccinated to, uh, I guess, be an essential worker or whatever, which also meant Kyrie Irving would not be able to play home games. And the Brooklyn Nets thought, well, Why would he play away games if he's not here at home? So they just, for the first, what, two months or whatever, he didn't play. 
trying to debunk history number one. When you look at all, outside of maybe one, when you look at almost every single champion, they have something in common. They have chemistry. And the one that I'm possibly thinking about is the Lakers when they won in the bubble. But LeBron James, Anthony Davis, they were clicking at the right times. What Brooklyn, what the Brooklyn Nets tried to do is they tried to look at history and say, we can supersede history with talent. Chemistry is so important in sports. Not just basketball, in sports. Chemistry, yes, it's important to, you know, have a very talented team and very talented players. But chemistry is so important. You see, you can look at this Brooklyn team in multiple aspects. You can look at or you can look at the reason why this Brooklyn team did not win in multiple aspects. You can look at the KD aspect. You can look at the Ben Simmons aspect. Now you can look at it as at the Steve Nash aspect. You can look at the uh, the Kyrie Irving aspect. The regular season is important for for multiple reasons. But the biggest reason, in my opinion, that the regular season is important is to build chemistry with your team, is to build chemistry with your teammates, is to build chemistry. Because when you get to the playoffs, you're playing the best of the best. And while, yes, you may be the more talented team or maybe have the more talented players, chemistry shines bright in the playoffs. It'd be different if, say, I don't know, Nick Claxton was the one that didn't play and Kyrie Irving did because of the vaccine mandate. It'd be different. It'd be different because Kyrie is a superstar. Nick Claxton is not. And the hardest thing to do is have to try to incorporate a superstar in very little time because they're a superstar playing alongside another superstar in Kevin Durant. There's a reason why at the end, which I think is hella ironic, but there's a reason why at the end when Kyrie Irving had his press conference, he said we didn't have time to gel. He's absolutely correct. They didn't have time. The regular season is so important because that is the time to gel. That is the time to learn uh, your teammates' tendencies, your teammates, where he likes the ball, where they like the ball, like where they don't like the ball, where they're most effective. That you learn that in the regular season. So it's hard to do that when the Brooklyn Nets were had had so much turmoil from Kyrie not being there due to uh, the vaccine mandate. Kevin Durant missing about 20 games, 20, 25 games or something like that. They've been trading James Harden for Ben Simmons. And we will talk about Ben Simmons in a second. But trading Ben Simmons, so that's another. Oh, Ben Simmons, Andre Drummond, and Seth Curry. So Andre Drummond and Seth Curry is another cog that you have to add in. On top of that, 
nothing about this season. Joe Harris getting injured. Nothing about this season for the Brooklyn Nets mimicked history. Successful history. Nothing about this season mimicked history. And what do I mean by that? When you look at all the great teams, look at the Golden States. Now, yes, you had Kevin Durant, but one thing that they had was chemistry. Seth, Steph Curry knew exactly what Klay Thompson was going to do. Draymond Green knew exactly what Steph was going to do. And they talked. And and one thing I heard is the Golden State Warriors were a top-heavy team, which they were. But to a certain extent, because they had very key players come off the bench, like uh, JaVale McGee, even before Kevin Durant, like Leandro Barbosa. They had key pieces before Kevin Durant, like Harrison Barnes. Even with Kevin Durant, they had Quinn Cook. When you look at the when you look at the Toronto Raptors, even though I do think that when they won, a lot of it was because Golden State was injured. But you had Kawhi Leonard, you had Kyle Lowry, and then you had pieces surrounding that. You had Pascal Siakam, you had uh, Serge Ibaka, pieces. That fit perfectly, but they had a regular season to get it done. And while no, for that season, Kawhi Leonard didn't miss a lot of time. You've had, you still had most of the team, Kyle Lowry, uh, Pascal Siakam, they played most, if not the whole year. Brooklyn did not mimic history, which is why they, 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 this is why they received the fate that they did. It's not a it's not a karma thing. It's you didn't do it the right way. You didn't do it the way that has been proven in a team sport. Cuz if you look, if everyone was healthy, if everyone was healthy, Brooklyn had the better team. They had the better players. You had well, I mean, they didn't have the better team. They had the better players, far better players. They had Kevin Durant. They had Kyrie Irving. They have Ben Simmons. They have Andre. I mean, Andre Drummond. They have Seth Curry. They have Joe Joe Harris. They have uh, Blake Griffin. They have Lamarcus Aldridge. They have Nick Claxton. They have Patty Mills. They have the better players, Bruce Brown. But they didn't have. They they tried to debunk history. A lot of this is Kyrie's fault. I'm not putting it all on Kyrie, which I think the media is doing. A lot of this is Kyrie's fault. And he understands that. I think he said in his press conference a lot of that, a lot of the reasons why we didn't gel was due to me and the whole and not being here, which is true. Especially when you have a newer team and a team that is so top heavy like the Brooklyn Nets, you need the top to be there. All of the top, not just Kevin Durant, who also, like I said, missed time. So the fact that Kyrie wasn't there for most of the season, now you get to the playoffs and you, you don't, you're wondering why, or you're wondering how Kyrie and Kevin Durant, why they're our best of friends, why they don't look the best on court, why one can't one can't have a good game and the other one like they both can't have a good game at the same time because they're both don't understand how to have a good game at the same time with each other because they haven't done it all year that's the Kyrie Irving aspect in the playoffs 
They went up against a better team. They lost to a better team. They lost to the Boston Celtics, which we'll talk about in a second. But they lost to a the best defensive team remaining or that's that's in the playoffs. They've probably been the hottest team and the best team since February. So they lost to the better team, but they had it. The things that were glaring for the Celtic, I mean, the, the Brooklyn Nets is the things that lost are the same things that lost them the game. They didn't have any chemistry. It was such a top heavy team and such an offensive dominant team that they didn't have anything to fall back on if their offense wasn't clicking. That's the biggest thing. The reason why you want at least a semi, at least a semi-balanced team, and what do I mean by semi? You don't want such a drastic gap between something that you're good at and something that you're not because teams will exploit that. And because there's such a huge gap, when you're struggling with the thing that you're good at, you don't have the thing that the thing that you struggle with can't really keep you afloat because it's such a wide gap. Brooklyn has such a wide gap discrepancy between how good they are offensively and how good they are defensively. They are not good defensively at all. Their best defender is Bruce Brown. Again, we will get to the Ben Simmons situation in a second. But their best defender is Bruce Brown. Did I think the Nets were going to get swept? No. In fact, I had them winning this series. Did I have them winning? The, you can even go back. I said I don't think the Nets were going to win the or make it out the East because of that discrepancy. Because their defense is so bad. Their offense, when it's clicking, can be so good. Because you have two players, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, that are, are I, I will let, I agree when people say that they are the most skilled or offensively skilled duo the league has ever seen. I agree completely. But that does not mean that they are the best duo. Let's talk about the Let's talk about the Kevin Durant aspect. Cuz Kevin Durant struggled this series mightily. Yes, the last, you know, game 4 he had 39 points, but he also missed 18 shots. But that's that right there is his best game not because of the 39, but because of the of the amount of shots that he took. Kevin Durant will go down as arguably one of the greatest, if not the greatest, offensive weapon the league has ever seen. I will stand on that. I am not so blinded by recency that I will forget who Kevin Durant is. Kevin Durant is still arguably one of, if not the greatest offensive weapon the league has ever seen. A seven-foot guard pretty much that can shoot the ball get to his shot any any time anywhere but Kevin Durant had a bad had a bad series and why did I say that game four 
what's his best game? Not because of the 39 points, but because of the amount of shots. It's because boss, I, I believe Kevin Durant struggles had to do a lot with Boston than it did him. And that's the thing. I'm going to give Boston their credit. Boston was the best defensive team, is the best defensive team remaining in the league, in the in the playoffs. And Kevin Durant was seeing a lot of the defenses that he hasn't – I'm not going to say defenses that he isn't used to, but defensive pressure that he's not used to. And quite as it's kept, Boston is a he is a tall team. <laughs> Kevin Durant didn't have the greatest series. He didn't. I mean, he he was thoroughly outplayed by Jason Tatum, by Jalen Brown. Uh, he didn't have the best series. And of course, once Kevin Durant doesn't have the best series, they want to bring in LeBron James. LeBron James is this. Never never put them in the same category. Okay. Yes, I admit. And, I mean, it's clear as day, Kevin Durant had a bad series. But I'm never going to say that Kevin Durant is trash. I'm never going to say. I mean, Kevin Durant is still Kevin Durant. I've seen enough to think that this was just an anomaly. Now, it was a big anomaly, uh, anomaly, and it is going to follow him at least this offseason, but it I also think cuz Kevin Durant they they asked him the question. They asked him the question about his minutes. I think for the last like Four or five weeks, he's been playing 40-plus minutes a game because of Kyrie being in and out and players getting injured. Another reason, another reason why I said that the, the, the Brooklyn Nets were trying to go against history was because when you look at the playoffs, when you look at successful teams in the playoffs, what you want is you want the healthiest, freshest team you can. And they couldn't, Brooklyn couldn't, couldn't do that. Like you couldn't, you had, Kevin Durant, they, Kevin Durant had to play those minutes because he they were fighting for play-in scenarios. They were fighting for a spot in the play-in. So now when you get to the playoffs, you're, you have those minutes on you, and now you're playing against the best defensive team in the league? A tall team, and you gotta go. You gotta chase Jason Tatum. You gotta chase Jalen Brown. You gotta chase Marcus Smart all over the place. You're already not a big team, so you got Al Horford and Daniel Tice banging down. It's it's going to it's going to, which is why you see a lot of Kevin Durant's shots were short because he just doesn't have his legs because he's tired. So I'm not absolving Kevin Durant uh, for this loss. He definitely played a part. 
But I do like, and let's let's talk about this. Let's talk about the media's aspect in this whole in this whole scenario. I do like what what shouts out to the inside the NBA crew, uh, Shaq, Kenny, Ernie, and uh, Chuck. They said something that is is honestly probably the truest thing that I've heard in a while, and it's that whether you win or lose is always on the superstar, always, always. Like if you if you look at Golden State's championship, let's look at the two thousand let's look at the two thousand uh fifteen championship. Everyone, you know, when they talk about it, no, you know what? Better. Let's look at the two thousand sixteen championship, the one that, you know, the the Cleveland Cavaliers came back from three one. All you hear is Steph Curry didn't show up. Draymond Green got suspended. That's all you hear. They lost it because Kevin, I mean, Steph Curry and Draymond Green did not show up. That's all you hear when we talk about. Now, of course, we also, when we talk about the Golden State side of losing a 3-1 lead in the finals against the Cleveland Cavaliers. Steph Curry didn't show up. And Draymond Green. Well, it's pretty much Steph Curry didn't show up is what you hear. You never hear how Harrison Barnes couldn't hit a shot to save his life. You never hear Zaza Pachulia. No. Andrew Bogut, I apologize. Andrew Bogut gets hurt and out for the series. They're their true paint protector. You never hear how game like games four and five, Clay was horrible. No, you just hear Steph pretty much didn't show up. And I don't know how many times I've seen a video of which which rightfully so it was a bad play of Steph Curry doing the behind the back pass. And Clay Thompson's right there. Or when Steph Curry, Steph Curry pretty much gets strapped up by Kevin Love. That's what you hear. You never hear about the people that aren't superstars. So when we talk about the Brooklyn Nets losing this series, you're going to talk about Kevin Durant, how he didn't show up games one through three. Or you're going to talk about how Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant just, especially game three, couldn't hit, couldn't hit the, I don't know. Or you're going to talk about how Kyrie Irving would come down when when I feel, it felt like almost every time, almost every time, when it felt like Brooklyn had the momentum or was snatching the momentum, Kyrie would come down. A fast break three and brick that jump as hard as I've ever seen a brick. And then Brooklyn, I mean, uh, Boston will get the rebound, go lay it up. They're always going to talk about the superstars. 
Now, I do think that there was some unfair criticism when it came to Kevin Durant. You know, he's a bus bus rider, um, not just inside the NBA. We heard they always are going to attach LeBron James and Kevin Durant. So anytime Kevin Durant struggles with something, they're going to creep. Don't you ever put Kevin Durant and LeBron James in the same sentence? Okay. Even though Kevin Durant did beat LeBron James twice in the finals, it's okay. Yes. Kevin Durant had a bad series. But, you know, that doesn't negate the fact of who Kevin Durant is. That's that's just that just is what it is. So and I do think a lot of this was on the way that Brooklyn, primarily Kyrie, handled the regular season. Not just putting on Kyrie, but I do think that, that that is a lot to it. In fact, I think that's the biggest, the biggest reason why they didn't win is because they didn't do it the right way in the regular season. So then when you, when you're trying to when you're trying to take from a well that hasn't been nourished, you have nothing. When you're trying to pull from the chemistry well, you don't have it because you haven't played long enough. Chemistry isn't just play a week or two and, and keep it moving. No, especially when you have a player, two players as ball dominant as a Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. You need a regular, you need a season for that. Which is why I think if they make some some key changes, they can be very well, very good next year. But they just need that regular season. The question now, one of the questions, is should Steve Nash be fired? This is yet the second year that Steve Nash is the head coach. Uh, the first year, of course, we know they went the Bucks round two. Kevin Durant's big foot or big toe or pinky toe was on the line, and they lost to the Bucks in seven. The Bucks would then go on and beat Atlanta in the Eastern Conference Finals and ultimately beat the Phoenix Suns in the championship. This year, uh, of course, Brooklyn gets swept and get in round one against Boston. So you're hearing a lot of a lot of chatter of should. Is Steve Nash qualified for uh, this job? Let me first say, I look at Steve Nash as a head coach the same way I look at Matt LaFleur as a head coach. I'm not saying that you can't coach. What I'm saying is it's a lot easier to coach when you have an Aaron Rodgers. When you have an Aaron Jones, when you have a Devontae Adams, when you have a Kevin Durant, when you have a Kyrie Irving, it's a lot easier to coach. A lot easier to coach. But you still have to coach, especially in the playoffs. That's why I thought it was crazy when 
they first got Steve Nash and, you know, Kyrie Irving and Kevin Rand were talking about, I don't even think we need a coach. We just need someone to manage us because we're smart enough to know what we're doing. No, brother, you need a coach. Because Ime Adoka was coaching circles around Steve Nash this series. Any adjustments that needed to be made, Boston made them. Brooklyn didn't. Brooklyn couldn't. But should Steve Nash be fired? I know I just pretty much <laughs> said he. I don't think he's a good coach. I don't think he's a great coach. I don't think Matt LaFleur is that good of a coach. I just think when you have Aaron Rodgers, it's, it's, it's kind of easy to do your job. But I do not think Steve Nash should be fired. I think he, I do agree with, I believe it was Kevin Durant that said it, he got dealt a tough hand. Both years. Last year, arguably the best team. Kyrie Irving goes down with injury. James Harden goes down with injury. Comes back, is never the same. This year, Kevin Durant gets hurt regular season. Kyrie Irving, the whole vaccine thing. James Harden wants to trade or wants to be traded, gets traded for Ben Simmons, Seth Curry, and Andre Drummond. The per- one of the people, one of the main pieces that you did not or that you traded for ain't played. Kyrie Irving didn't play most of the season. You get to the you get to the oh Joe Harris hurt for the regular season for the whole season. You also incorporate Goran Dragic. So I think I think he should be dealt a fair hand. I think you give him at least next season. Hopefully Joe Harris will be able to come back. Hopefully all the pieces should be there and uh see what happens from there. If he doesn't if he doesn't get them to the mountaintop, then you there's some decisions that should be made. But I don't think it's fair whether and that's the same thing I say for African American coaches. I don't think it's fair. When you look at the cards he was dealt, it wasn't a fair hand. He did, he he worked with what he what he had to work with. Now I will say this though. That does not absolve Steve Nash for some of the blatant blunders that we've seen from rotations to the fact that well I understand that you were playing for playing seating, you play Kevin Durant forty minutes a game for like five weeks straight forty plus minutes a game for like five weeks straight or the fact that you don't make many adjust you don't make any adjustments in the playoffs i can't absolve that that is wild to me the fact that andre you're getting i understand the dilemma that you have with andre drummond i understand if you do play andre drummond you don't get too many the floor spacing gets drastically smaller than it is than than it does when you have Nick Claxton, but you're getting killed on the offense. You're getting killed on the boards. Nick Claxton is oh for not, one for ten from the free throw line. Why not bring in Andre Drummond? Why did it take game three to get Blake Griffin off the off the off the uh, off the bench? Why did Lamarcus Aldridge not play a a minute a second? In the playoffs. 
Just things that just don't understand. Just things that just don't add up. So I can't absolve him for that. But I do think that he deserves a fair assessment. And if you look at last two seasons, that should not have been a fair assessment because of all the cards that he was dealt. So I do think at least give him another year or at least half a year to see what he what he can do when he all the chips that he was promised that he would be awarded are given to him. All right. Okay. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about the Ben Simmons aspect now. Um, mental health is a serious thing. Mental health is something that really can be quantified or or something that can't be taken lightly because you don't know what someone's going through mentally. But let me give you my true, 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 true thoughts about this Ben Simmons situation. I was one of the people that were raving about Brooklyn trading for Ben Simmons. I was one of the people that said that they won the trade because you have a young player that is one of the best defenders in the league. And you're not asking him to be an offensive weapon. You're asking him to be a defender. You're asking him to maybe pass from time to time. And you're asking him to get rebounds. And it addresses a huge need for Brooklyn, which is defense. And I'm uh, I'm not a doctor, clearly. <laughs> I'm not a doctor. And I'm also not the person to uh say someone is 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 being genuine about something or not. Because that's them. I can't just I can't talk about anyone's intent i can't talk about anyone's genuine like being like genuineness or whatever the word is but when i look at this ben simmons situation this is what frustrates me i don't believe i mean i can be on this island it is what it is i don't believe that ben simmons is dealing with uh mental health issues i also don't believe ben simmons is dealing with a back issue I just think he just doesn't want to play right now. Let me say this. I think he's mentally weak. But I do not think that's a mental health issue. I just think that you're mentally weak. We've seen some of the smartest people in the world. Doesn't They could be mentally weak. It doesn't mean that they have mental health issues. I just think Ben Simmons is mentally weak. And you can put that under the umbrella of mental health. Why do I think Ben Simmons is struggling with or not struggling with mental health? Because if you go back to last time we saw Ben Simmons play, which was when he was in Philly, playoffs against the Hawks, right under the basket. We we know the play, right under the basket. 
Trey Young's right there. Trey Young is what six one. Ben Simmons is 6'10". The basket's right there. And you pass it off to Matisse Thimble. I would understand if you pass it off to Joel Embiid. I would understand a little bit if you pass it off to, I don't know, Steph Curry or James Harden or Kevin Durant. I would understand if you pass it off to an offensive weapon like that. But you pass it off to Matisse Thimble. Who has never been an offensive weapon. He's known for his defense. You pass it off. He gets because you were scared to get fouled. Because you're already struggling from the line mightily. You were scared to get fouled, so you pass it off. After that, Doc Rivers says some things. Joel and B says some things. You never play Philly again. And you say it's because you you you're, you're not mentally fit to play. Again, I think there's a difference between being mentally weak and having mental health issues. Then you heard out of nowhere. He gets traded to Brooklyn in the James Harden deal. Then you hear about a back injury. Let me remind you that the last time we saw Ben Simmons play, he was perfectly healthy, physically. Perfectly healthy. You get traded, then you hear about a back injury. Which sits him out longer. I think you hear as a herniated disc, which Ben, I don't look. I know people that have had herniated discs. Ben Simmons was doing things that I know for a fact that people that have herniated discs should not be able to do, like run, like dunk the ball, like shoot the ball. Ben Simmons miraculously was able to do that. Then we get to the playoffs. So Ben Simmons doesn't play. We get to the playoffs. Now, I never thought that Ben Simmons was going to play. I never thought that. I never thought he was going to play in the playoffs. I didn't, and even if he did, I didn't think it was smart for him to play in the playoffs because the last time we saw him was in the playoffs, and he, he, he just wasn't good. And I, I said on this, on this platform that the last thing you want to do is bring Ben Simmons back to a team that he has not played with. Not one second, because practice is different from a game. You do not want to bring him back that it, to a team that he has not played with, and the first game is in the playoffs against the best defensive team in the league in Boston. That is not what you want to do. I said that. So I didn't think he was going to play until reports came out that he was eyeing game three, four, five, and six to play. Why did I believe those reports? And why do I think that Brooklyn believe those reports? One, Brooklyn was the one that released it. Two, 
Brooklyn, that's that's their player. So they understand what he's been dealing with mentally. The last thing that Brooklyn wants to do and is going to do is release information like that, knowing how the fans are going to react, knowing how the sports analysts and TV is going to react. They did not put that if he, if they had a doubt in their mind that he was not going to be able to play games four and five and six. So they had every indication and they saw physically that he was ready to play. And if you can't play game three, which is on a Saturday, why are you able to game, play game four, which is on a Monday? That's neither here nor there. What I'm saying is the team would not release that information if they didn't think he was ready to play, at least physically. Then game three happens. Brooklyn loses. Brooklyn loses on Sunday. Sunday, report comes out Ben Simmons is having back problems again. Or back tightness. So he's, it's not questionable. He, they rule him out for Monday's game. Nevertheless, you can wake up Monday and feel perfect. But no. You have back issues. On Sunday, you don't feel good. So Monday, are oh, we out. And then, Rich Paul, his agent, his team, meets with the Brooklyn Nets team and say that he's not mentally ready to play. So it goes from a mental health issue to a back problem back to a mental health issue. Again, I... Never thought he was going to play in the playoffs to start with. But clearly somebody in the in the Nets organization. So first of all, the Nets are not going to release that information if they didn't talk to the, the, the team trainer. If they didn't talk to Ben Simmons. If they didn't see Ben Simmons physically perform, they would not have released that he is targeting game. They wouldn't give it to Woj, which then would release that he is targeting games four, five, and six to come back. So they had every indication, and he was healthy enough to play, or at least they thought he was healthy enough to play. And then you lose game three, and all of a sudden, ah, ah, I'm a back, I'm out. Then once criticism starts falling on him again, the t his his representatives go to the Brooklyn Nets representatives and say he's not mentally ready, so it's back to a mental health issue, which is why I think. Ben Simmons is just mentally weak. I don't think it's a back problem. I don't think it's a mental health issue. I think that we're confusing mentally weak with mental health. Now, again, I don't know. This is just what I'm looking from the outside looking in. This just doesn't seem. It just doesn't doesn't. I don't know. On top of that, Ben Simmons is still, when he's playing, Ben Simmons is still a good player, but how do you, I never, even if Ben Simmons would have played, I don't think he would have been the savior for Brooklyn. I don't think that Brooklyn would have came back, but 
you give them a better fighting chance. So now, how are you Brooklyn and you look at him and think he's all in? Clearly, he, he ain't been all in since he passed off to Matisse Thimble in Philly. He ain't been all, he has not touched an NBA floor outside of looking good when they call timeout and he steps on to dap up the players. I'm not going to go as far. I do think that, you know, Stephen A. Smith is very, uh, very adamant, you know, animated about how he feels and very adamant about how he feels about uh, Ben Simmons. I'm not going to go that far. I'm not going to disrespect his character. I'm not going to do all that. I do. I will just talk about what I see. And what I see is I don't believe it's a back issue. I don't believe because it's very hard to detect a back issue. I don't believe it's a back issue. Not to mention, did we ever find out how he hurt his back? The reason why I ask that question is because if you look, every single time somebody's got hurt, we pretty much know instantly that they're hurt and how they got hurt. John Wall, I think, slipped in his house. As embarrassing as that is, we found out, I believe he slipped in his house the second time he got hurt when he was in Washington. Out. We heard, I think the day of, hours, eight, almost minutes later, I think, when Clay Thompson got hurt the second time. Same thing with DeMarcus Cousins. We saw the footage of DeMarcus Cousins getting hurt. Almost every time a player gets hurt, we know how, we know where. Have we figured out and found out how Ben Simmons got hurt or his back? Because, again, last time I saw Ben Simmons playing basketball, he was completely healthy. And people are saying, well, maybe, you know, he slipped working out or maybe he was training and it happened. Let me tell you something. These these people are worth hundreds of millions of dollars. You think they're going to do something that jeopardizes them like that if they're smart? Why do you think LeBron James, why do you think Russell Wilson puts millions of dollars in their body a year because they know that their body is their moneymaker? Why do you think that people have chefs so they know what to put in their body. And, by, and for people that don't know, usually chefs go shopping for them, like shopping for food. So it ain't like he heard it. He he heard his back lifting groceries. When did you think? When the last time you think LeBron James carried some groceries up some steps? We can just we can move it to we can move it out of basketball. When's the last time you think Patrick Mahomes carried some groceries up some steps? They make so much money, they understand that that could... Hell, <laughs> remember when Patrick Mahomes was playing basketball? Like, every day? And the team was like, alright, man, you gotta chill out, bro. Like, for real. There's a reason for that. So, I don't know, I don't... Can somebody tell me where Ben Simmons hurt his back? And if if they can prove that that's where he hurt his back... If there's a report saying he did, if, if you can show me when Ben Simmons hurt his back, I will come on this platform and apologize to this man. But until then, I do not believe he has a mental health issue. I do not believe he has a back issue. I believe he's mentally weak and just doesn't want to play right now. 
And he did not want that scrutiny of even if you come back, they still lose. I don't think he wanted that on on his psyche. So that's that's just you know, this 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 season has been a complete fail for Brooklyn. Again, this is the same team that was projected to win the NBA Finals, and now they have been swept with a Kevin Durant with a Kyrie Irving swept out the first round. Complete failure. Complete. Complete failure. I don't think that this ruins Kevin Durant's legacy because you hear that going around. I do think that this is. You know what? I got time. Let's do it. Let's have a serious conversation about Kyrie. Kyrie's legacy. I'll do it. I'll be the one. Kyrie will go down as one of the most skilled, if not the most skilled point guard we've ever seen. Not the best, arguably the most skilled. But Kyrie Irving, let me say this. Your team will not and cannot win a championship if Kyrie Irving is your number one option. And there has, a, there has to be a lot of stuff that goes right if Kyrie is your number two option. Why is that? Because Kyrie Irving is a masterful offensive weapon. Masterful. Let me say this. He's a masterful scorer of the ball. Masterful. From his handles to his 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 shot at times he is masterful at scoring that basketball but that is it Kyrie Irving makes nobody better because his game is so predic- so much predicated on his offensive game he he very rarely gets assist he's hurt a lot of times people go back what people like to do is they like to when Jordan, I'm not, I'm not saying Kyrie Irving is the same level as Michael Jordan, but people look at Michael Jordan's success, you know, 6-0 in the championship, and nobody talks about the years before Scottie Pippen, how Michael Jordan didn't win a single, no, he won one playoff game, not series, game, before Scottie Pippen came. I'm not saying that Scottie Pippen was the best player, but what I'm saying is, People just just negate that for Michael Jordan. People negate the fact that Kyrie Irving there was reports that Cleveland was trying to trade Kyrie Irving multiple times before they got LeBron James. And then look look at Kyrie's look at Kyrie's career with and without LeBron James. And that's no indictment to Kevin Durant, but look look at Kyrie before Kev, uh, LeBron James in Cleveland. Look at Kyrie in Boston. Look at Kyrie in Brooklyn. Kyrie Irving cannot be your best player, and there has to be a lot of stuff that goes right for him to be your second best player and win a championship. Because... I'll say this. 
You put Kyrie on Dallas, he will be the second best player. They would not win a championship, in my opinion. You put Kyrie on... You put Kyrie on this... uh, No. He'd probably be the best. You put Kyrie on uh, Chicago, he'd be arguably their best or second best player between him and DeMar DeRozan. They would not win a championship. You put Kyrie Irving on Toronto... They would not win a championship. He'd be their best player. They will not win a championship. Kyrie Irving does not elevate a team. Kyrie Irving is not good enough to elevate a team. He is masterful. Masterful scoring the basketball. But that, And his handles, he's, he has the best handles the league has ever seen, in my opinion. But Kyrie Irving is not elevating any team. Kyrie Irving has seen his most success with LeBron James. And they thought they were going to duplicate that with Kevin Durant, but you didn't even play half the season. In fact, you didn't even play more than half the season due to COVID and not getting vaccinated. So all these, all the people that say, you know, Kyrie Irving is the best point guard ever. Kyrie Irving is the best point guard in the league. Okay. Kyrie Irving has never elevated a championship team. People, again, people are going to look at that that game seven shot that he had on Steph Curry. Or that NBA Finals that he was incredible in, you know. He, he had 41 one game, game seven the, the shot. Kyrie Irving was incredible. But it's kind of the same way that how we're we're talking about, you know, Kevin Durant, you know, it's Kevin Durant and when he played with Golden State, this, that, and the third. Imagine when you have a team, spoiler alert, when you have a team that has LeBron James, the number two, LeBron James will always be number one. Stop LeBron James in the scouting report, always. Which allows the second person to kind of go off, which is kind of what you saw in the bubble with Anthony Davis. Kyrie Irving is a great, and I mean absolutely great, offensive weapon. But he is not elevating a team. If he is your best or second best player and your number one best player is not Kevin Durant, if your number one best player is not Giannis, if your number one best player is not LeBron James, if your number one best player is not Steph, not Nikola Jokic, not Joel Embiid, not a top 10 or 15 player, he is not winning you a championship. That's Kyrie Irving. Great. If you want some highlights, if you want to call House of Highlights, if you want to call Ball is Life and get some tape, Kyrie Irving is the guy. If you want, uh, uh, if, if you want to master your your offensive uh, handles and and layup package, Kyrie Irving's your guy. If you want to win a championship, no. If it's harsh, it's harsh. 
The reason why people have Kevin Dur- or the reason why people had Brooklyn as a favorite to win a championship was mainly because they had Kevin Durant, James Harden, and Kyrie Irving. Not because it was Kyrie Irving. Kyrie is a great player. I'm sorry. He's a great offensive player, but he's not good defensively. Maybe a little spurts, but he's not really good defensively. He's not really, he doesn't elevate anybody. Because his game and his talent is so much, is so predicated on him getting his shot. Which is, you saw this year, this playoffs, what he looks like when his shot's not going. Jalen Brown, I don't understand the size discrepancy, but Jalen Brown, you would think he saw Kelly Rowland sitting at the sitting at the table with some strawberry shortcake with a letter saying I love you. You would think that's what Jalen Brown saw anytime Kyrie Irving was switched on this man. It's just his the God just opened the open. Oh my God, Kyrie Irving's guarding me. I don't even need a jump shot. Let me bing 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 get to the rim, lay up. Kyrie Irving's cool, man, but he ain't. He's not elevating no team, or he'll elevate a team. But if he was, you put. You put any top 10 player on a trash team, it makes them it makes them viable. It makes them better. They actually have, not saying they have a shot to you put Kevin Durant on on the Kings. I don't think they have a chance to win the championship, but they'll be drastically better. You put Steph Curry on the Wizards. I don't think they have a chance to win a championship, but they'll be drastically better. You put Giannis on the Pistons. I don't think that they'll win a championship, but they'll be drastically better. You put Kyrie Irving on any one of them teams. You put Kyrie Irving on Indiana Pacers. Tad bit better. Probably ain't making the playoffs. You put Kyrie Irving on You put Kyrie Irving on the hell. You put Kyrie Irving on the on the Spurs. Then no, and this is how it is, man. My next, I mean, I was gonna talk about can Boston win it all? Yes, I mean, I don't think they should be favorites, but I do think that they are great. Um, let's, uh, let's talk about some of the remaining, uh, not all, we don't need to break down every time, but, um, let's talk about some of the remaining playoff series. Um, I do want to focus on the Raptors, uh, Raptors Philly series. Philly currently is up three, two. After being after losing the last two games, um, 
we've been talking media and and social media and fans and stuff. They've been killing Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving. They've been killing them, uh, rightfully so, from how they've been how they played in the playoffs. Uh, but nobody's talking about how bad James Harden's been looking. Now I understand going into the playoffs and going into the trade from Brooklyn to Philly, James Harden didn't look his best. But a lot of people were attributing that to he was doing what James Harden usually does and trying to force your way out. And I understand why he forced his way out of Brooklyn. I mean, that's not what you signed up for, even though you forced your way out of Houston. I get it, though. But people were saying, well, he's looking trash like this and because he wants his way out of Brooklyn. And he got his way out of Brooklyn to Philly. In the first, what, 10 games, he looked great against Philly. Then it just downhill. And now you're in a series with Toronto, up 3-2. Um... I don't think that Toronto will come back and win the series. I don't think so. Um, first of all, they were down 3-0. You have to win one in Toronto, which I do think they possibly can win. But then you got to come back and win another one in Philly. I don't think that they will be the first team in NBA history to come back 2-0. I mean, come back after being down 3-0. I don't think that Toronto will do that. But because of the play of James Harden, because of the injury to Joel Embiid, his, I think, his thumb, he broke it, or his ligament, he needs surgery, they're just going to wait until after the season, and he's playing through pain. I do think because of that, I have the heat beating Philly next round. And that's going to be a huge blemish. It's not even a blemish, man. What we're seeing from James Harden is what we've seen from James Harden multiple times in the playoffs. James Harden puts up godly numbers. Or let me say this. James Harden used to put up godly numbers in the regular season. I mean... We've seen 60-point triple-doubles, 50-point triple-doubles, 40-point triple-doubles like it's nothing from James Harden. And now it's looking like he can't even create a separation. And you see the job that Miami's doing with Trey Young right now. This whole Tyrese Maxey thing is great. But what happens when you're playing, one, a healthy team, because Fred Van Vliet hasn't been playing for Toronto due to injury. Scotty Barnes didn't miss a game. What happens when you're playing a team that is healthy and that they're number one, they match up well with 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 Philly? Yeah, Bam doesn't match. I mean, Bam's good, but he doesn't match up as far as size-wise with Joel Embiid. But you can throw Jimmy Butler at James Harden. You can throw... P.J. Tucker at James Harden. You can throw Vincent at James Harden. You can throw Tyler Euro at James Harden. You can throw a number of people. Martin at James Harden. You can throw a number of people at James Harden. 
then on top of that, you can throw Kyle Lowry on Maxi. Like, it's going to be tough. I, James Harden has been awful. And they need him to be great in order for them to win. So, um, I don't, I'm not sitting here. I don't think that Toronto is going to win two in a row again. Like, I don't think they're going to win four straight. I just don't. So, uh, right now, we don't need to talk about Milwaukee and Chicago. Milwaukee, no. We don't really need to talk about Memphis and Minnesota. We don't really need to talk about Golden State and Denver. We talked about it kind of last episode. We'll touch on it more when it's over. Uh, the Dallas and Utah series. The one thing I will, the one series, one thing I will thing say about Golden State and Denver is a lot of people are questioning, you know, with Nicole Jokic possibly being out what tonight actually uh, of the playoffs. Should he, does he deserve to win the MVP? First and foremost, the MVP is for the regular season, not the playoffs. That's one. Two, if you want to extend it, I understand that. But people are, people are forgetting just how great, it's a recency, it's a recency thing. It's a recency bias. People are seeing Golden State more than likely about to close out Denver, which Denver would be out of the playoffs after losing, you know, lose a series 4-1. Or possibly for two, but people forget how great Nikola Jokic was in the regular season. Like he was great. So, if you want to extend, uh, if you want to extend the NBA or the MVP to you know first round of the playoffs, you can do that. I understand that. If that's the case, Joel Embiid has a better case than Nikola Jokic, but because Joel Embiid, especially the first three games in the series, has been great. And Nikola Jokic has been great. It just hasn't matriculated in the wins. But I think a lot of that is also due to the fact that his team is really helping him. So, uh, yeah, man. Um I think the Philly and Pelican series is a toss-up, and why do I think it's a toss-up? Now, I want to hearken you back to March Madness NCAA champ tournament, North Carolina and Baylor. North Carolina was destroying Baylor, and Brady Manick went out, and Caleb Love went out. Now, Brady Manick going out was huge was huge for that team, uh, or huge for North Carolina. But Caleb Love was the biggest reason why Baylor was able to come back and ultimately force overtime. Baylor didn't ultimately lost this end third. But losing Caleb Love was the biggest impact. Yes, Brady Manick was having the best game. But losing Caleb Love was the biggest reason why Baylor was able to come back. And this is why. And this is this is what we're seeing in the Phoenix Pelican series. When Caleb Love and RJ Davis for North Carolina is on the floor, you have two ball handlers. You have two players, while one is better than the other at decision making, you have two players that can make a decision for the rest of the team. Yes, you still have a mono baycock. Yes, you still have some players, but you have two players in RJ Davis and 
and Caleb Love that can not only create their own shot, but make decisions for the rest of the team. When you have Chris Paul and Devin Booker on the same team, you have two players that can create their own shot and make decisions for the team. When you take one of those players off, i.e. take Caleb Love off the floor, now you, i.e. take ben, uh, Devin Booker off the floor, now you have one ball handler that can create their own shot and make decisions. Well, when you have a team that is Pelicans that their two best players are playing at, or their two best current players are playing their best right now, and you have a older Chris Paul it causes problems. An older Chris Paul and no Devin Booker, it causes problems. Now the uh, the Baylor Baylor has more confidence, and Baylor is going straight at R.J. Davis and straight to the paint because they do not have, and their defense looks uh, ten times better because North Carolina doesn't have a second ball handler that can make smart decisions with the ball. Phoenix has some incredible players. You have Mikel Bridges. You have DeAndre Ayton. You have Cam Johnson. You have some great players. But there's a reason why. And you look, Cam Johnson is playing the worst he's been playing. Mikel Bridges hasn't been that good offensively. And Chris Paul just had four points the other day. The Pelicans, they're gaining confidence. Okay, Devin Booker's out. Brandon Ingram is playing like out of his mind, playing the best he's ever played. CJ McCollum is playing great. Jose is playing great. I think it's a toss-up because of the 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 injury to Devin Booker. Because now the Phoenix Suns only have one capable player that can create their own shot at a high level and and make decisions. And honestly, I don't know how much of a high level consistently Chris Paul can do that at, at this stage of his career. And Cam Johnson, I'm not Cam Johnson, uh, Cameron Payne, no. So I think that this series is a toss-up. I Now, I'm shooting this before, I'm shooting this Tuesday afternoon. Slash evening. So I'm shooting this before game five. I will say this. Whoever wins game five between the Phoenix Suns and the Pelicans will win this series. You heard it here. Um, lastly, before we go, the NFL draft is Thursday. And I'm not about to do a, a huge mock draft. I'm not about to do all that. I'm not about to do seven rounds of this. I'm just going to answer a couple questions. Now, number one question is who's going to go number one? Uh, to me, I think you're there. So teams do this a lot. You have one person that's been a clear cut number one or clear cut person that everyone says is number one. And that has been Aiden Hutchinson from Michigan. Now you're hearing people say, well, maybe Evan Neal or maybe, uh, um, Trayvon Walker, like, okay. To me, Aiden Hutchinson is the clear-cut number one. 
stuff that he does on the defensive side of the ball as an edge rusher is to me it kind of mimics what we saw from Nick Bosa what we saw from Joey Bosa while I don't think that he's better than them of course that would be disrespectful seeing as they're both in the NFL Aiden Hutchinson is to me the 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 leaps and bounds best player in this entire draft and I think when you're drafting number one, that means you have multiple issues. So when you're drafting number one, unless there's a there's a quarterback that is transcendent, which there isn't, you go with the best player. In my opinion, that's Aiden Hutchinson. Um, I don't think that that's, that should be. I don't think that should that should be a, a question. So uh, the next question I'll I'll answer is who's going to fall. And honestly, I don't think it's one person. I think it's a collect. Uh, a collect number of people and that is the quarterback class now we just talked about I just said that this is probably one of the weakest quarterback drafts in recent history and you have Kenny Pickett you have uh Malik 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 Will I mean yeah Malik Willis you have Desmond Ritter you have some good players I just don't think when you look at the teams, the only I mean, maybe Detroit, maybe I know Pittsburgh's probably going to be in the market for one, but I wouldn't be surprised. Is I I wouldn't be surprised if not a quarterback. Maybe look at Carolina, maybe Carolina. I don't think there's going to be a quarterback taken. I I would not be shocked if there was not if a quarterback was not taken in the first round, and I don't know. That's the first time since god knows how long that's happened but i will not be i would not be surprised if there was not a quarterback taken the first round because i think the best quarterback in the in the fray of it all is malik willis um and i'm I'm not liking side note i'm not liking some of the coverage that he's getting because you're starting to hear a lot of people talk about malik willis the same way they talk about lamar jackson lamar jackson's Come on now. He's an MVP of this league. Like, chill out. Talking about Malik Willis shouldn't be a quarterback. They always do this with black mobile quarterbacks. They did this with Cam Newton. They did this with Lamar Jackson. They did they, Chill out, all right? Um, but, yeah, I think all the quarterbacks can fall. I mean, I, I, I don't think it's going to happen, but I would not be shocked if not one quarterback was taken in the first round. That, it's just that week of a class, in my opinion. So, uh, who will rise? Who is who? Who will rise? Who is a player that we don't talk about enough that could rise? Honestly, Kayvon Thibodeau. I think because he played in Oregon, because he played for the Pac-12, which isn't that strong of a conference which is why a lot of people have questions on him but I w- I wouldn't be surprised if he if he goes in the top 5 that maybe actually top 3 I, I wouldn't be surprised if I-, I think that he is he there was a reason that before last season he was projected as could possibly be the number 1 pick before Aiden Hudson just had an Aiden Hudson season so I think Kayvon Kibble Kayvon Thibodeau can rise higher than anybody, honestly. Um, it's just, I think he should, needs to go to the right situation, and I wouldn't be surprised, especially seeing as 
he was he had an incredible year at Oregon. And again, before last season, he was projected to be a number one overall pick. So I think that their biggest riser can be Kayvon Thibodeau. And honestly, he can go as high as two, in my opinion. Um, and the sleeper of the draft, and the last the last thing I'll say, the sleeper of the draft, in my opinion, due to injury, is Jameis Williams. Yes, he has a, uh, the AC, torn ACL, uh, so he's not going to be – I don't know if he's going to be ready right as the season starts, but if he did not have that torn ACL, he would be by far, in my opinion, the best wide receiver uh, in this draft. And I don't think he's going to fall too, too far as far as like – I don't think he's – I think if Green Bay wants him, I think if uh, Kansas City Chiefs want him, they're going to have to trade up, which is going to be hard to do. But James Williams is the sleeper pick. I think that, I mean, we talk about Chris Olave. We talk about uh, Garrett Wilson. We talk about um, uh, Drake London. We talk about Traylon Burks. James Jameson Williams is better than all of them when healthy. So the fact that he's going to fall due to the torn ACL, uh, whatever team gets him is going to be great. And another person to look out for for as not only a riser but a sleeper uh, is Jermaine Johnson II out of Florida State. That man, he is huge. <laughs> he's huge. He's a ball hawk. Uh, I think that he can go as – I mean, I think that right now they have him projected as like – the 20 the 25th pick i think he can go as high as top five that's how i mean ahmad gardner the you know corner cornerback he's gonna be maybe evan neal but i could see i wouldn't be shocked if jermaine johnson not only shot up in the draft like he could be top five even if he's drafted where he is i think that could be a sleeper pick because that's how good he was at florida state so let me know what you guys think uh, of the draft. Let me know what you guys think of Brooklyn <laughs> getting swept. Let me know what you let me know what you guys think. You know, talk about it. That's been today's episode of the Unpopular Podcast. I appreciate you guys. If you want an Unpopular Podcast shirt, hoodie, sweater, long sleeve, joggers, the link is in the description below. Add multiple different colors, multiple different designs. Whatever you want, I got you. Just click on the design, click on the color. Bada bing, bada boom. Also, please subscribe to whoever you're listening. Please subscribe to whoever you're watching. It definitely will mean a lot to me. Uh, I will see you guys on Saturday. And until next time, much love. I was dreaming of a it's levels, it's layers, so pray for the players. Uh, we hollowed the walls and back of bodegas. Uh, I got plenty. There's so many, yeah. They say give me. He got plenty, yeah. Bruh. Niggas ain't flexing, you cramping. My weight keeping niggas on the bikes like ambling. Weight loss, rent loss, scrambling. Now pass the champagne to the champion. My niggas get money, get money, get money. Like yay sampling. Gun stutter, make the drum line like grambling. MGM gambling, blew a small mansion. Annoyed cause this bitch calling Lon Von Lanvin. Fuck who you stamping, them niggas just standings. Not me, they censoring block me. You hollering top five, I only see top me. Award shows, the only way you bitches can rob me. It's levels, it's layers, so pray for the players. Clip him, baby, if he flinch at the price of Bottega. Uh. I got plenty, there's so many, yeah. They say, give me, he got plenty, yeah. Bruh, you niggas ain't drip, you drying. Kevlar in this Balenciaga jacket lining. You and your bitch income combining. I'm sending Lorraine Schwartz diamond mining. Find him. 
I came up with Enzo drifters, so you got to understand there's a difference. There's window stickers and window liquors. You know the type. Always trying to get in your picture. How it's trying to get the dope through in your sister. We won't bagging up the work. Wouldn't be no dishes. Be no Christmas. Mistletoe. Be no kisses. Made a way for ourselves. We ain't need no wishes. Ah. It's levels, it's layers, so pray for the players, uh. We hollow the walls and back up bodegas, uh. I got plenty, it's so many, yeah. They say give me, he got plenty, yeah. Walking down like Brady gets better with time. Didn't have to reinvent the wheel, just a better design. Critics, he's out of his mind. Haters, he's out of his prime. Yet, always where the money's at, like lottery signs. Still I climb, rock star, third eye blind. I was bored by these albums, so it gotta be time. No Properties all across the board, this monopoly's mine. Came a minister in my prime, so I gotta be shine. I used to watch the Fresh Prince and pray the house to be mine. Could have bought it, but I ain't like the way the kitchen designed. Born in a manger, the son of a stranger. When daddy's not home, the family's in danger. 